Welcome to the Back to Square Kwan podcast with your host Chong and Kedrick. This is a podcast where we will have conversations about training, nutrition, and philosophy, taking you back to square one. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. All right. Uh, interesting episode. Uh, the Back to Square Kwan podcast is back. Maybe we'll do one episode a year. And um, you might also realize that uh, one of the co-hosts, Mr. Kedrick Kwan, shout outs, is not with us here today. However, I found a very suitable replacement <laughs> uh, in the form of Mr. Leonardo. Um, for those who don't know Leo, um, he is one of Kedrick's clients and um, I am one of the associate coaches uh, alongside Leo in Corpus Magna as well. Um, so hopefully, uh, Leo's performance today might uh, uh, might be a good replacement for Kedrick. Uh, and maybe we'll have Kedrick back in the podcast down the track. Um, but today we actually are going to talk a little bit about, I guess, the topic of weightlifting and how it pertains, how it is potentially different to powerlifting. And of course, Leo here is actually really good friends with Chen here. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Chen, you have worked actually with the uh, China Olympic weightlifting team in the Olympics. Uh, which year were, were, were those ones again? Uh, I was joining the team since 2019. And then the Olympics was supposed to be in 2020, and we know that because of the <laughs> pandemic, yeah. so it just got postponed. So I worked with the team for two, two and a half years. Yeah, 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 something like that. That's More awesome. than two years. Yeah, it's cool. Um, well, maybe for those who don't know a little bit about Chen, uh, could you maybe introduce yourself to some of our listeners? Um, yeah, and we can just kind of get the ball rolling from there yeah sure so um basically um i um i studied in new zealand uh, for my bachelor in uh, sports degree and then uh, after that i did uh, i did the um i want i tried to combine the um performance or like strength and conditioning and the uh, rehabilitation so i actually i studied the osteopath and then I was like, maybe physiotherapy. So then I translate to Australia, Perth. So I that's where I met Leo. So in that gym. So I was actually studying um, physiotherapy uh, when I was in Australia. And then, yeah, due to some family issues, so I, you know, I went back home. So I I I did actually finish my degree at at Curtin. So um, but. Yeah, then there is, how do I say that? I just, sometimes I, I think you got, you got lucky, like when you are like passionate enough to something. So I got introduced to the team, team China and then that's where the story begins. Yeah. And I awesome. actually, sorry, maybe, uh, so I actually did a lot of um, like, um ongoing education so i i don't i don't think we need to mention all the like certificates but like i'm doing I, i'm doing like a lot of stuff on you know on top of the coaching and that kind of stuff yeah yeah um of course it's been a while since i first met chen you know like recapping just now like you know we met at the curtain stadium i just saw this two meter mm. dude you know he was doing <laughs> such an elegant clean and jerk i was like wow you know, I got to talk to this dude. But yeah, um, you know, fast forward, we hear now Chen has coached the um, Chinese weightlifting thing. And one of the reasons why I believe this podcast would be interesting is simply because like, you know how powerlifting and weightlifting, although different, is somewhat similar in the elements when it comes to strength training. And I believe even if like the strength programming itself, like the modality that is, is pretty straightforward, I believe that there's just different perspective towards how people actually approach certain things, you know. Well, the pro programming is one of the things, but the minute details could actually be the principles or maybe the ideology 
behind which a coach actually comply to or utilize to actually drive the process of like, you know, creating a training protocol to actually increase the success of their athletes. But yeah, Chen, um, I think, you know, it's quite interesting that you have like probably a unique experience. You know, not a lot of people get the chance to actually coach uh, the Chinese weightlifting team. Maybe you can share with us a bit about, you know, how were your experience when you were coaching them? Yeah. So, um, as I said before, before I met Leo, I've been um, training weightlifting for, I don't know, since 2015. So, like, seven years now. So, when I was, when I was uh, back in Australia, I was, like, three, two or three years in. Um, I had, I had, like, had to travel to different cities when I was when I was back in China. So I just had to find a like a local coach and to you know to learn, pick up the stuff. So in the beginning I was like uh with those uh juniors, so like very young, young athletes. I was training with them. Mm-hmm. And they, they they had a way better technique than I did. And then so once I got a hang of it, so and then I went overseas. I was studying and managing training at the same time, just trying to get, you know, as as good as I can in terms of the uh, movement. So, and then so that passion just keep going on. And so when I got back to China, so there there's an opportunity that they're, they're hiring a performance coach. So that was basically what I've been doing um, as as a job. So I was like. Oh, if there is one job that's for me in this world, then this this one is my dream job. This is a dream position. So everyone who likes strength and power training, you know, um, knows that like Team China, like Chinese Chinese weightlifters had, you know, maybe one of the most beautiful movements, um, beautiful snatch, beautiful clean and jerk techniques. That's something that always you know um, attracted to me. So, you know, I got the job. So when I first, the first time I walked into that, that stadium, so I saw those guys that, you know, I've watched on YouTube. So that they, you know, I, I, I used to watch them out on the screen and now they're just in front of my eyes. You know, I was just like, oh, just, you know. It's like, meeting, down, it's, like me, it's, like, it's like meeting your idols and then you get starstruck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, just, you know, inside I was like, yeah. But like, also I was like, just be cool, just be cool. And then, um, but um, the 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 whole the whole atmosphere was quite um, um, how do I say that quite astounding. So I was I was shocked like how serious they treat training. So everyone was like mm-hmm. before training they were like you know they just talk and easy going, but when it comes to training you you have no idea you know how dedicated those guys are, and that's the. I guess the difference between like recreational lifters and the, the professional lifters, you know, they 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 probably you know the top athletes in the world in the sport. So no no wonder they're, they're so good. And and if you if you um thinking like how like how many years they they dedicate into this sport, and they can still treat every training session as serious as they did, it was it was just amazing. So. And then, like after after a short period of like, okay, I'm just like in that sweet spot, and then I'm in this dream job position, and I realized that, you know, it's actually quite um, stressful because, like, what are you gonna do if uh, like a like a for any strength and conditioning coach, you'd be like, I will, the first the first instinct is always okay, I will just make those guys faster, stronger, right? But they're already faster and strong. And they're probably mm-hmm. faster and stronger than any other athletes in the world right, in terms of the strength and power uh, sports. Maybe not as strong as, uh, strong as uh, world-class power lifters, but like in terms of the strength speed, okay, the, the power and, and, and the technique, the combination of those, they're the, the, the top level. So I was, I was quite a... I was quite a uh, stressful because I didn't know in the first place what to do to make them stronger because their their techniques just 
so beautiful. Like just I was just watching the lifting all day, every day. And when the when the time comes to my session, you'll be like, okay, now it's your time. Okay, you you take them and how what what's the problems you, you you've seen and you know what can you do to improve? I was like they're actually pretty good. But that was for the first couple of weeks. And then I'll just keep asking myself, okay, I'm here not as a um, audience or not as a fan, but I'm here as a, as a strength and conditioning coach. So I have to do something to make myself valuable. Okay, so I think this happens to every sport. So if you got into this professional sport, be it rugby or professional soccer, uh, basketball, whatever. So if if you're not doing anything um, that's helping the athlete, you know, you're fired, you know, in no time, <laughs> yeah. right? That's that's the truth, right? So, and um, they're, they're, you know, they're so good to be there. And as the support staff, you have to be as good, at least as good, so you can support mm-hmm. the athletes. So then I think it's in the whole, the whole process was like uh, keep asking myself, challenging myself, or talking, communicating with athletes and coaches. So learn from them first. I made I made a few mistakes that you know I actually learned from those mistakes because in the beginning, you know, I thought, okay, I I've, I've learned a lot of stuff. I know stuff. Okay. Um, you know, I can certainly, and I, I practice the, the, the sport myself. So there is certainly certain stuff that I can apply to those athletes. But when it comes to time that you can, I think this is going to be useful. And when I show them, like in split second, they'll be doing much better than I do. That's mm. how good they are. That's why they are the elite athlete, and we are just, you know, uh, humans. All like, <laughs> Humans, yes. <laughs> like, it's, it's like for me, they're just a bunch of jadis. They they just they do different stuff, you know. So, yeah, yeah. but then I I realized I had to uh, <clears throat> I had to view things differently. Okay, they they are good. That's for sure. They're strong. That's for sure. But what about the injuries? What about the failed attempts? So okay. You see a lot of lifters, and um, they 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 have those um, training clips on the Instagram, on the YouTube. And they can lift a certain amount of weight, but when it comes to competition, it's a completely different story. So right, so you, how are we gonna manage that? How are we gonna optimize that? Because all the foundational work has been laid out, so they are already super super strong. They don't need a strength coach. Or they at least they don't need, need me to teach them how to squat or clean and jerk, right? So, yeah, that's pretty much the first the first impression that I had when I was just joining the team. Mm. I think uh, you made a very interesting point. Then, obviously, I hang around on Instagram a lot as well. I think there's actually one really big difference, particularly with like, um. Actually, I think just Olympic weightlifting as a sport in general. I think one of the huge differences between that and uh, obviously powerlifting, and Leo can obviously attest to this because, you know, Leo, I would say Leo is like a world-class lifter himself, is that it would seem that all the countries, especially like Olympic level with, with weightlifting, they train in a team environment. You mm-hmm. know, like you said, they they, ha- they go to the, the stadium, you know, everyone's there. You know, I, I see the videos, everyone's got their, their clean and jerk box, you know, like people are lined up, you've got the males, the females, the coaches in front. But for powerlifters, it's, uh, you know, your coach will say, hey, here's a program, uh, you know, we'll, we'll check in. But for the most part, I, I'd say maybe not all, but I'd say most powerlifters, even elite level lifters, they will probably train in their own time, like in their own schedule. Maybe they have like training partners, but and for the most part, they, they train alone as opposed to, you know, world-class, uh, at least with the China weightlifting team, I think, to an extent, maybe the Russians as well. It seems that they actually like, hey, uh, Monday, you come in, this time to this time we mm-hmm. train, and then you go home, you eat, you come back, 
you train again you know there's like a set schedule and of course you know we we, we don't need to dive into the um logistics of it because obviously you know with weightlifting there's potentially more money there whereas at powerlifting it's still a, a growing sport so you know most powerlifters uh, you would still need a, a side job but i think most olympic weightlifters actually just you know they, they just train you know full-time athletes like legit legit full-time um and I th- yeah i thought there was quite an interesting uh difference there um and you also brought up another really good point there, Chen, where like, uh, even for me, and sometimes I think it, it, I definitely feel this more, maybe more than Leo, potentially, because uh, I'm definitely, I wouldn't say like I'm world level, but I definitely do coach powerlifting as well. And literally the same thing as you, right? We go in there, we see these people doing crazy amounts of strength. You kind of like, you yeah. have this like imposter syndrome. It's like, man, like, can I really coach people who are like this strong? It's yeah. like, do I really have the... The ability and capacity to to help because yeah, you're already so mm. strong. Like uh, I don't even, I can't even get to the forty percent of what you do, and you guys kind yeah. of sit there. So, and obviously you did a, a successful job. I would I, I would think so, right? With with how generally the Chinese weightlifting team has performed over the years, countless times. Um, what were some of I guess your approaches? Because you, you you talked about a few different ways that you 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 help those athletes grow and become better, like. What are some of your approaches or how do you coach someone, especially a team to world-class level? Uh, like, yeah, like how would you help an athlete, I suppose? Because, you know, like you said, sometimes we get a little bit scared, but we know we have the tools to help. So what, what if you don't yeah. mind sharing some secret sauce uh, so that uh, <laughs> okay. our listeners might be able to take away a, a, a thing or two? Yeah, so um, basically... Uh, like, as I said, it's it's all like trial and error. So I've I've made mistakes and I learn from it. The most, if if I had to say, one of the most, if not the most important component of the lesson that I learned is communication. So, okay, people would say, okay, this is bullshit. Like communication, like everyone everyone can say that. But hey, when it comes to the professional sports. Um, communication is the number one uh, uh, factor or a like component because um, there is a saying, I forgot if, if it's come from Mike Boyle or someone. So he said, they don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. So, mm. so this applies to the athletes. So if the athletes, they don't think you care them enough, they were like, okay, you are just here. Um, you don't actually care about us then they don't actually care about what you know or what you think is useful for them. So that's the initial. I think this applies to everyone, like even the clients. So you have to get the buy-in, right? Mm. So they, some of the clients, maybe they're like, oh, you, you, like your techniques is so good or you're so strong. And they immediately get that buy-in. So they come to you. So you don't need to do anything. But when, when it comes to like, you know, like Chong said, you, you know, either giving giving is like powerlifters or Olympic weightlifters, they're professionals, and they don't they don't actually they don't think okay, I don't need a, like a some random guy just walking and just tell me what I should do to get stronger or or, or more healthier, right? So mm. they just communicate with those athletes when they are not training, oh, and when before and after the training, and just let them know how you think. Like I was just watching their lifting and asking them questions, actually, because obviously I I had to learn the sport because you know even even though I I've, I've been training that like that, but still I they they got much more insight than I had when I was first joining joining the team, and then I was with the, with the uh, with the head coach, so we had a really good team, um, so the head coach was being very supportive. So he and and those athletes are being very supportive. They they just accept who I was, and they gave me the room to make mistakes. And they told me what they need actually. So they told me what they need. They told me what they don't think is useful. So for example, I'll give an example. So some of the athletes um, they don't they don't like uh, doing the mobility work before the training, mm. right? They, it's when, like when I was doing that when I was first joining the team I thought okay everyone should be doing 
this is and that before like clean and jerk or they'll do the other stuff other mobility drills or warm-ups before the snatch that was like okay this is the format and this is the program and we go in we do that but then you just you know you just like they're not doing it what if you have a client or app you're just not doing it what are you going to do so they're like no i don't have time for this or i don't think i need this or i or even if i do the same thing you told them to they're like no it's you know i don't feel different it's just a waste of time so i'm not saying my artist said that but i'm just saying i certainly had that uh, like um situation being that situation in in various um circumstances so um at that time i was like what i do what i do so that's all i had that's a program for today if they're not doing this what should i do as a backup then i realized I ignore the, they are like a living human being. They are not like computer programs. They're like, it's not like you, you know, you enter like certain type of codes and they just go the same way every single day. It's not like that. Some days they're grumpy, some days they're happy, some days they feel better, some days they're not fully recovered. And maybe, you know, they're not, they, you know, like maybe the last training session has some kind of negative effect on them or even like some other stuff outside of the training you never know unless you talk to them right mm. so that's the first or one of the most important parts to so communicate and just let them know okay give them option okay if you don't feel like doing this what about this what about mm. that and you have to I make like them that. feel like yeah make them feel like okay this is you're giving me the options and i have to try it out myself because you know, to be honest, they're not making like making me giving me a hard time on purpose because everyone's time is precious because they only have like so much time for the for the Olympic Games, right? So everyone was like, if I um, I don't care if you have like thirty or forty drills as a warm up, if you give me one drill and that get, gets me um, fully prepared, I want I just want to I just want to have that one drill. So that's what that's what I always said to the other coaches. Um, like when I'm just delivering delivering courses, I was like, you know, everyone's like, there are so many um, courses nowadays, especially on the um, internet. So you have so many information and like everyone's just trying to, you know, absorb as much as they can. But when it comes to apply it, like you only just need one or two, but you yeah, have to know true, which one true. you're offering, right? So you only have, let's say, three of us. We are, you know, we're having this job interview and like you guys providing like 20 or 30 drills, but the athlete didn't like it. And I just give them one drill and they're like, okay, I feel good. Like, I will be getting the job, you know? So mm. um, that's the other thing that, that I've learned to just be effective and efficient and be uh, uh, accurate, if that's the right word, be precise about, uh, your exercise selection or but that's all based on um, your understanding to certain individual so if if i have four uh, athletes because like olympic weightlifting is like individual sports so uh, you have to know them individually so you maybe like, the program for each of them are different so you don't you're just not giving them the same thing okay it's not like a okay we have a group session today yes we even if we have group session, we will have individualized program for each of them because mm. each of them will have their own um, issues to deal with. Some of them, they don't like doing the warm-up. They don't like the mobility stuff. The others, they don't feel comfortable getting into the training session without adequate amount of mob mobility drills, right? So you have to understand and know those athletes so you can tailor your program according to their needs mm. and they will be like they they will cooperate more and they will you know benefit from those programs more because if they feel like you know they comfortable and they will be doing that and they'll you know even call it placebo or call it whatever but it's it's just what it is you know mm. based on my experience that's the most important thing yeah yeah wow like 
that's a very valuable insight from yourself, obviously, Chen. And, you know, uh, a bit of an oxymoron right here, but, you know, coaching is both simple and complex. Simple in a sense that you understand, you know, your role as a coach is obviously to maximize how your athlete perform their well-being as well as, you know, how they sort of adapt to certain things. But complex in a sense that there's just a lot of um, simple things, you know, multiple uh, layers that you have to understand and comprehend. And, you know, props to you, actually, like you are very flexible, yet somehow you adapt quickly to your environment, you know. Because like, although there's like more than one way to skin a cat, you know, you might actually already know the theoretical underlying of what you're supposed to do as a coach. But then again, you know, um, I do think it really takes one to be very observant, but yet humble mm-hmm. to still, uh, you know, yeah. comprehend the fact that, you know, there might be things that they don't understand. And I'm actually glad that you sort of like mentioned the fact that, you know, everyone is different. You have to cater to them. Because like end of the day, you know, you're giving service to human. But yeah, man, like it's really interesting to hear about that. So yeah, Chen, you know how you've experienced a lot of like um, coaching in general with like, you know, well, the elite of the world, really? Like, could you please share one of your like success stories, you know, with the athlete that you handled? Yeah, okay. So uh, actually, I had a a pretty... um, Good story to share here is that like uh, I remember it was like 2020, so October 2020 was like national game. Um, it was actually the yeah, it's, it was the uh, national game. I didn't. So one of one of my athletes, Shani Jun, so he ruptured his um, right traps triceps tendon, so distal tendon, oh. right there during the during the clean and jerk. Oh, and then so it was like October, but like I, I remember April next year would be the Olympic uh, qualification. So yeah, whether or not you're going to Olympics, it depends on that one. So only five months left. So everyone was like, he's not going. He's not going to Tokyo. And uh, I was, I didn't know what to say when I was, Heard when when I heard that news, when because I was actually watching the watching the competition, and um, so uh, from end of October, beginning of November, we started uh, the training camp, and uh, one my my main job would be like rehab for him. So uh, if you think about rehab, you'll be thinking, okay, this is a job of a therapist. So not 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 a not a coach's job. The coach's job is training, but like that was a, actually the perfect opportunity for me because at the time I was almost on one side I was pretty you know um, nervous because I don't know if we would succeed, and on the other I was I was really excited because you know I I didn't I I couldn't say okay how long it's gonna take to for him to come back to the top. But I deep down I know, you know, we can do this. So I had this, you know, mentality is like, you know, if if not me, then who? If not now then now then when? So it's like if if you don't think if you don't think this way, you'll be like, you know, you wouldn't be able to start the, the journey. So I you know I just I just told him and you know just comfort him. I was like, just be patient and just step by step focus on today. So Actually, we spent like five months, and then he got qualified, and then you, you guys know the rest of the story. He he won the gold medal in in Tokyo, oh, so yeah. he clean jerk one eighty seven kilo. So it actually was something that um, I always I always believed and I always knew um, deep down inside because my like my coaching philosophy would be there. Like there is actually a big misunderstanding, or like there is actually a big gap between the coach. Let's not say strength and conditioning coach, because it's like a more of a modern term. So traditionally, it's just strength coach and uh, manual therapy, be it chiropractor, mm. osteopath, uh, physiotherapy, doesn't matter. So they'll be like, okay, 
some of the sprint coaches started like what therapists recommend and vice versa. So, you know, that, that, that opportunity was like, okay, I'm just showing um, we can do the same thing as a coach. We don't, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't touch him. I didn't do any kind of manual therapy on him. Of course, he had um, the therapist, but like, you know, we work together. Don't, don't get me wrong. The therapist is pretty good. I had a, I had a friend who worked with me as well. So like he, he is actually a chiropractor. But like what I'm saying here is that, you know, from training, we could actually see the, you know, significant improvement. And as he improves, like he is confident just, you know, you can tell that he, he is build, rebuilding his confidence because, you know, anyone's been through that injury in that time, you know, would be frustrated, you know, but like, Seeing his change, like his his facial expression, facial expression, and he's being more talkative as he is recovering. So I, you know, I feel like okay, you know, you know, halfway there, I'm like, yeah, we could, we could, we can do this. So if um, um, if I had to say something about um, helping athletes, um, especially high performance athletes. Is that you? You firstly you have to know them. Secondly, you have to know that what they need. Because um, as a coach, sometimes we know what they need, but they probably don't agree. Sometimes the athletes they, themselves they be like, "No, I don't need this." They just don't like it, but they probably they need that. And we have to be hundred percent sure that they are lacking of certain elements in their training program. So we use different uh, strategies, you know, to put that into their training program so we can get them, you know, like that hundred, like 1% better. So we, we can reap the great benefit from that. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's actually uh, very, very interesting, especially the story, right? Like someone it's not even like a niggle it's not even like a like a small injury they, they, they literally mm. you know torn and you know the progression from a torn musculature structure going into essentially nationals right i think he was you, you yeah, say he was yeah. going to nationals National. com- com- competed at nationals went on to the olympics the, the qualifiers went on to the olympics actually winning the olympics all in the span of like what Maybe a year and a half, I think. How... Uh, that would be five months for a qualifier. Um, so October to the Olympic will be July, June or July, right? So yeah, yeah. So it's it, it, yeah. So it's actually even less, it, yeah. It's it's less than ten months. You know, du- double digits, less yes. than double digits. Yeah, and I think it's quite yeah. phenomenal because I, I do think that obviously the degree and the severity of the injury will obviously dictate the time of recovery. But I do think a lot of people also underestimate like the human body and the capability mm. of it. Like if you actually just give it an opportunity to, you know, recover and do its thing. And like you said, you know, bridging that gap between, hey, we want to qualify, but we also want to rehab an injury. There's always going to be room to try to, like you said, right, change the program to make it work. Uh, maybe the goals yeah. might be different, but then, hey, he ended up qualifying, I think, uh, that's definitely going to be one of those wins i think you know he might win more titles in in, in the future but i'm sure mm. that's going to be one of those wins where he can probably be very proud of and i th- and believe yourself as well because it's not just a normal olympic prep it's an olympic prep mm. where you're injured you know and then you go from being injured to not knowing whether you can actually even make the team to winning exactly. the whole damn thing <laughs> and i think that's yeah that's, that's a pretty that's a pretty cool story um and i think it also actually shows quite a lot in your belief in like your your own i guess coaching philosophy and process right yeah. obviously off off the record we talk a little bit about you know your passion uh you know as obviously as a lifter yourself and as a coach i mean it obviously shows a lot especially in the story in this instance but you also did mention you obviously train a lot yourself and sometimes uh you know when you train in the same environment as all these strong lifters it's it's obviously quite hard and i think 
uh most pts my most personal trainers might might be able to uh relate to this as well it's like hey i'm going to train a client but then uh they, they'll be they'll work in a gym they train with the client and the client leaves or the client goes away and do mobility cardio whatever and then the trainer's like oh you know i've got a uh, three hours i'm going to train now and then all of a sudden the client comes mm-hmm. back to the, the pt and say hey i actually forgot to ask you a question but then uh, as a pt you're like dude like i'm not on the clock you know i'm not working now i'm, I'm actually training i think uh off, off the record you actually brought up a really good point about passion versus professional life right it's kind of this whole pt client situation like the pt trains a client hey that's professional um and then a client goes away the pt does his passion stuff which is weight training but then when a client comes in and say you know like as a professional and you know someone who's a coach it's like do you respond to the person you know do you say hey go mm. away i'll talk to you next session kind of thing right um and obviously yeah. communication comes into play but uh being obviously a coach yourself working with such high level athletes you know essentially literally olympic winners how do you juggle your passion for the sport in professional life because i know that in powerlifting, um, a lot of the great powerlifting coaches out there, uh, they they would have or might have been world class lifters, but it, it it somehow gets to a point uh, where sometimes they will actually not compete for the sake of coaching more, if, if that makes sense, or like somehow they they would do less in the sport. In order to potentially grow bigger yeah. athletes, you know, uh, an example in the powerlifting world, um, I'm very naive. I'm, I'm not very well versed in the weightlifting world, but someone that rings a bell would definitely be someone like Bryce Lewis. Uh, you know, Leo obviously Bryce is a the world champion, and he is still very active, actively competing. But he also coaches a lot of good athletes. Um, so Chen, like, it's really a question directed to you, and maybe Leo, you can chime in too, because obviously you coach athletes as well. Like, how do you guys juggle passion and professional life? Because obviously there is a, there, there's going to be a point, like a cutoff point, where it's like, hey, I'm gonna actually stop focusing on training because there's a uh, these people that need more of my help. You know, like, how do you, yeah, how do you figure that out? All right. <laughs> So yeah, um, to be honest, the reason why I started coaching, you know, first place is is because of course I somehow love the sport, you know. I find that the development that I get is more mentally than physically, and I actually think that for me as a coach, uh, you know, it sort of like gives me the opportunity to work with different kind of people. Simply seeing them, um, you know, be a better form of themselves and see them succeed, especially when they're competing. It somehow gives me a sense of fulfillment, okay? Uh, but truth be told, you know, uh, I used to sort of like power lift just for pastime and probably as an echo of catharsis. But yeah, I don't know. Like, sort of like fell in love with it, kept doing it, you know? And I've been through like the good, the bad, the ugly, and I still do it. So I'm quite certain that I really love the sport. And that's the reason why I'm still on it, you know? So yeah, uh, when it comes to like regulating myself and my athlete, uh, I do think that there should be a healthy amount of like balance, you know, just like work-life balance. Sometimes like, you know, of course, when it comes to motivation, you know, it's a bit uh, low, it's a bit high. It's sort of like uh, inconsistent, really. And for me personally, okay, you can't really rely on motivation. But then again, I do think that it all boils down to you. The answer has always been inside you, you know. Um, I think it's more so of like looking at things from a perspective of like, are you motivated intrinsically, you know, whereas you do things for yourself or are you motivated to do it like extrinsically? Not that I say you shouldn't be motivated extrinsically at all, but, you know, end of the day, um, I'm a big believer that, when you try to do things, you know, when you try to hone your craft, especially, I do think that you should be really in the long run, do it for yourself, you know, understand and sort of like realign your, the root of your purpose, why you did it in the first place, you know, because like, if you simply keep doing the things and you just keep doing it blindly, sometimes you might get lost. Mm-hmm. And that's when you really spiral down and you're like, oh crap, why am I still doing this? You know? So yeah, um, that's my uh, piece of sense for this topic. What about you, Chen? 
actually, I think you brought up a really, really good point, which, you know, I, like a few months ago, one of my friends asked me about why. So it's, it just all comes down to why. why. Why are you doing what you're doing? So I think a lot of people, you know, get lost in that. They'll be like, they just give the superficial response. So, so you're like, why are you doing this job? You're like, because, you know, it gives me money. It's not the deep. It's not the deep reason. Yes, it does. You know, it helps you to put, to put the put the foot on the table, but that's not the uh, the root the root reason. So if that's the right word. So you know, I guess we have to ask ourselves why. Because I guess um, during my um, um, whole development process, you know, there are a lot of I guess role models out there to show you know how much they care um you know i had to mention you know that um, there's a there's a coach called christian tibolo so you know i i found his work like uh, a year or two ago actually it's not like you know i knew him a long long time ago but i read his uh, articles on t nation you know, uh, yes yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so you know i i, I read a lot of his articles, but like they, they are really, really good articles. I learned a lot from, from, from his articles, but like when I first, you know, uh, saw his Instagram live or like, you know, when I first had, you know, watched his videos, um, you know, I just, this is, this guy is so, so nice. Uh, he is a perfect example of how, you know, a performance coach or a strength coach should be like, you know, just so humble and so kind. You know, like you know, when I you know when I uh, met Leo and uh, um, the other guys back in the curling gym, like Leo and the other guy, you know, both of them there they doing powerlifting. So the the first impression to me was like, you know, the stronger you are, the more humble you are, the more like the the, the more kind you are. You you just helping helping people. You know, I remember there's there's one evening like I was I was scoring. And Leo was teaching some like uh, beginners to squat. So that's the, that's the moment that, okay. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> the moment that I, I always remember because, you know, I actually, I don't really, I, I don't actually care like how much you squat or you, you bench, but as long as you're showing me that you care about other people and like the way you, you coach him, it just shows me you love the sport. You love, you know, coaching, helping people. That's right. the, that's the one of the most most important thing that drove me into this profession. So, you know, in the beginning, it was like, okay, I had this much knowledge, so I can help maybe the recreational lifters. But mm-hmm. then, as we keep developing and training ourselves, we get more experience. We can, you know, we can coach, you know, better and better, higher, higher level athletes. And once, you know, after the Olympic terms. You know, I just, I just, you know, have always had time to, you know, think about things that, you know, I've, people I've interact with. I'll be like, before that, I actually think I want to coach high level athletes. But now, you know, I don't actually mind because, you mm-hmm. know, everyone, anyone who is coming to ask me something um, nicely uh, just shows me that, okay, they believe in me or they trust me in the first place. Otherwise, you wouldn't ask someone you don't believe, right? So, hundred percent. Yeah. So, coach like Louis Simmons and like as I mentioned, Christian Tibolo and others, other other coaches like uh, you know, um, there's so many of them. Like Kelly Starrett when I was first starting my journey, and you know, great cooks that you know they you know they they all just you know good coaches, but more importantly, they 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 they're there to help, right? Whenever. You ask them because sometimes I, you know, on, on Instagram, I just randomly ask someone some questions, you know, some of the, uh, if I say, um, social media influencers, they have, you know, a million followers. Some of them just don't care. You know, they won't, they won't bother to reply. But mm. like some of them, they, they just reply to you. And, you know, you can tell they're not selling stuff. They're not selling products, but they care. They're like, okay, you don't understand this. I'll, I'll help you. I'll help you out. Because that's the true spirit to being a coach. Okay, are you a coach? 
or you are a salesman. Or if you if you're selling your products online, I don't I don't care how many followers you are you have, because I just don't care. You know, I'll, I'll actually unfollow you because you know you just you you're not making a difference. You know, not you know I from my perspective, if you don't care, then I don't care either. Mm. I think end of the day, like you know, as a coach, essentially it's a service, and when it comes to service, it's closely tied to value. And end of the day, you know, it's all about value, the quality of the things that you actually give, the standard of like service you actually provide for them. Yeah, Chen. Um, you know, I do think that um, you know, recapping about like you know the athlete and coach sort of like uh, synergy, I think uh, both of it sort of like boils down to what is the why of each individual and um i do think that you know i can say this with absolute certainty that when it comes to any kind of success you know coach athlete relationship i do think that both should somehow share the same vision mission and they should sort of like collaborate together because end of the day you know on the big screen on the platform itself it might be just portrayed as an individual sport but then behind the scene is actually a collaborative effort, you know, everyone in unity trying to actually yeah. actualize the real performance of an athlete. But yeah, Chen, I learned so much from just like, you know, chatting with you, discussing with you. So yeah, man. Awesome. Uh, let me, sorry. Um, so, I've, you know, I've, uh, since Louis Simmons passed, passed away, you know, I watched some of the um, uh, videos about people who who knew him i'd be like he would you know talk to someone on the phone for like 30 minutes and he, he didn't even know that guy because the guy oh yeah so uh, yeah i saw that video before yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i, I do recall yeah. that yeah. so he, what a he legend would, he would just help, yeah he would just help them for free because they're like who are who are you know who are them who is the person he's like i don't know but he wants to get stronger and you know that's that's a gold moment. I'll be like, okay, this is a true gold moment. Like that's the true role model for strength coaching. Okay, yeah. you learn something from him. You, like he got a lot of stuff. Like he got his knowledge conjugate system. Like none of that is the most attractive thing to me. But that behavior, the mm. mindset, helping people to get stronger, that's the one of the most important factors for I think for the coaches. Yeah. Be it strength coach, uh, you know, conditioning coach, therapist. Regardless of your profession, if you are dealing with people, and you know that's the role model, that right? that's the thing that we should learn from. By the way, yeah. just before we sort of like um, you know end the discussion, there's actually some questions that I've received from like the Instagram um, questions. You know, um, there's yeah. actually around I can't count. Hey, like around eight or nine, but I think I just pick one question. Okay, this question sure. is from Neil dot patel patel hope i don't butcher the name but um the question is have there been any advances in training technology that look promising for weightlifting or readiness training if you want to answer that chin i um as far as i i'm aware don't think so because um i think that personally when, when it comes to coaching i am not like a tech oriented guy because there are so many, so many uh, new technologies. So nowadays, you got you know push or gym aware or like normal tech push and gym aware for like uh, velocity based training that kind of stuff. And you have like different uh, new technologies around recovery. So people are always you know think okay they have this kind of recovery equipment so it helps them to recover better. I don't think that's a, that's the case personally. Like if you ask me, you know, get a good eight hour sleep, you know, view the morning basics. sunlight, yeah, hydrate, you know. Also, uh, like we like actually we have talked about this uh, stress management. So if you have you know some kind of conflict with your family, your your spouse, your your girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, it's gonna affect you big time. Okay, it's mm. it's not because your your body doesn't differentiate between psychological stress and physical stress and it doesn't yeah. doesn't doesn't matter so it's the same thing so i think we just you know people always think about technology is going to change everything i i don't believe that i don't <laughs> call, me, call me old school 
We're trying to find yeah. a magic pill, man. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's only there's only that much you there's only that much technology that can help with dealing with stress. In the end, uh, and uh, a very fitting way to I guess sum up this this episode is that stress uh, is ultimately going to be inside your head, and uh, mm-hmm. un uh, funnily enough, make sure that if you're stressed as as an athlete. Um, as Chen sort of brought up in the podcast, is communicate it to your coach. Let them yeah. know you're stressed. You know, programs can change. You know, uh, modalities can change. But just making sure you're open to the idea of letting them know that you're going through something in your life, so that you can still make progress. Uh, and obviously, hopefully, <laughs> if you're being coached by Chen, win the gold in the Olympics. That's probably the uh, epitome. I, I, I second that. <laughs> Uh, well i guess uh on that note guys um i think we'll look to end this episode here i think huge huge thanks to chen for obviously coming on to the episode and of course leo as well um and um where can where can people find you chen and leo i guess because technically both of you are actually guests first time guests on the podcast so uh both of you fire away your instagram um i'll i'll make sure to pop that in the uh, description at some point yeah leo first Oh okay, yeah. Uh, so my Instagram is Leo underscore Corpse Magna. Yeah. Uh, so mine is less 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 is more dot Chen on Instagram. So like me and Leo, we follow each other. And also, thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure. And um, hopefully, we can you know have you know, share more stuff in the future because 100%. I I'll, I'll post yeah. up on Instagram, and if you have any questions, to ask me. Yeah, it'll sure. be nice. Appreciate you, Chen. No worries, guys. Thank guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. And um, if you like this episode, like, share. I don't know when we'll do another episode of Back to Square Farm, <laughs> but I'm sure at some point uh, we'll get back to the regular schedule once Kedrick actually graduates his PhD. So stay tuned for that. Until the next one, guys. We'll catch you soon. Thank you.